Yeah, I wasn't at a nightclub as as they were taking it all off. Hey everybody, good to see you tonight, or good to talk to you tonight, I guess. I'm here as always, my name is Rob, and I'm here with my friend Andrew, and this is How to Survive the Modern World, or Gen X isn't just a fashion statement, and we're presented by Tribe74.com. Check them out. Andrew, how are you doing tonight, buddy? I'm good, how about yourself, Rob? Not too shabby. So what is on the show today, Andrew? Rob, tonight we have the Falcon and Winter Soldier, we're going to be talking about Canadian rock music. And lastly, our brushes with fame, meeting celebrities. That's right, meeting celebrities. I mean, I'm a little bit of a celebrity myself, or at least I tell everybody that anyway. So I don't know about you. I mean, you're in your you're, own mind. Well, absolutely. You're 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 an author. You're like a you're a Canadian author, uh, a children's author. Yeah, I generally don't have people racing up to me in the streets though, asking for autographs and selfies. Yeah, I, I mean, I have that regularly. I usually have to beat them back with a stick, but... Uh, I know. You have a security detail. I do. Uh, yeah, and it's my face. <laughs> People see my face and they don't want to talk to me, so... So have you been watching The Falcon and Winter Soldier yet? I have Three episodes in. I, I'm, I'm all caught up. How about yourself? Oh, yeah. Excellent. So... What do you think so far? How, how do you think it's going? Like, uh, I was kind of excited to see it after seeing the first couple of trailers, but I wasn't sure uh, what to think of it. I actually really like it. It is full of action, in which I think a superhero movie or TV show should be. I was a little concerned as they're more the B-class characters, but they can really hold, hold their own on the screen. I'm thinking that like the dialogue between the two, like the interactions between the two, like in that one scene, uh, I don't want to spoil it too much, but they're like kind of sitting in front of the uh, psychiatrist and uh, having a, a debate and it, it, like the, the way they bounce off each other, like just the dialogue is just brilliant. I'm just like laughing my ass oh, it's off. It's pretty hilarious. It really is. Like it's like, it shocked me kind of how good that stuff was. Yeah, it's got everything that a Marvel movie on the big screen has quite honestly one thing that i that i enjoyed about the marvel movies and the avenger movies specifically was how like robert downey jr iron man and uh thor they're kind of bickering constant bickering and and jokes and 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 jabs at each other i thought were like brilliant and i really enjoyed that in the movies so i kind of feel i get the same vibe between uh, the, uh, the winter soldier and falcon in these uh, and these episodes so far, I uh, kind of like the whole dynamic duo kind of thing that they got going on where where they don't really like each other, but they like each other. Yeah, like it, so I'm really impressed with that. The storyline was a little slow the first couple episodes, and I hate, I absolutely hate these half-hour episodes. <laughs> Why can't they make them longer and more interesting? It is really, I, I wouldn't say that. Like, I think it's very um, action-driven. Uh, there always seems to be fight scenes going on. You don't have to wait too long before there's an another fight scene happening. I, I get that as well, but I think that maybe I'm just, I, I hate waiting every week. I, I've stated before, I hate waiting every week for another episode. And when it's only a half hour episode, it's just like, come on, you got to do a little more than that. <laughs> I know. I guess 
with today's streaming, we expect to be able to watch one after another after another. We'd almost hope that they would actually release an entire season all at once. So then we can just blow through it all in one season as opposed to waiting that week after week. I think it's a testament to the show, though, that if it's got me wrapped up in there by minute 29, I'm sitting there, no, it's going to end. I'm disappointed that it's going to end. And maybe, you know, that's telling me that it's actually pretty damn good. Yeah, no, I've, I've been I've been really enjoying it. So uh, have you watched all three episodes then? Yeah. And what do you think of all the casting and all the characters that have come across? Yeah, I'm I'm just thinking about it. I I mean they they took the cast for the Falcon and Winter Soldier right out of the the movie. Um but I'm just trying to think of kind of the the sub characters. Not nobody really stands out to me. Was there somebody that you were thinking of in particular? I was just thinking the uh, Baron Zemo. I, I don't remember the actor's name off the top of my head. But uh, I think he does a great job, like as this, like Baron Zemo character, and uh, he and does how he kind of works with these guys together. But he's still kind of edgy, but at the same time, he's like now he's almost like a hero, an anti-hero, I guess you could say. I suspect that we're going to see a lot more of him as the show progresses. Yeah, but he's he's interesting because in the comic books, he he is he's one of the big big baddies, I guess, and so it's interesting to see how they've kind of accepted him and i mean they broke i hope i'm gonna spoil it but that they broke him out of jail and uh i think that that's kind of cool it's me yeah, i think that's of, where they needed to start his character i love the fact that in episode one that they had gsp playing a, the bad bad guy character once again yeah that that's and this is what i'm loving about it too is that you know even though you know they they had the big budgets of the movies that they're they're putting the budget into these shows that you get GSP you get uh, the the actors uh, like Sharon the same girl that played Sharon Carter the same uh, actor that played Baron Zemo and and I mean and you know that there's more coming like that guy GSP he he's just an action hero uh, completely it's great he's Canadian which is awesome got to support those Canadians an ex UFC fighter and champion, which is cool because it's really, you don't see them necessarily, you know, these other athletes transition to the big screen very well. No, I think Ronda Rousey has moved into the big screen. I actually, I don't think I've seen anything with her in it. My understanding was that she was doing some film though. She, uh, she's a professional wrestler now, but, uh, no issue. Uh, she's kind of stiff. And I, I kind of find the, the same thing with uh, Gina Carano who uh, mm -hmm. is in the Mandalorian or was in the Mandalorian, but uh, I think uh, usually the, the the actors are are pretty stiff, or the, the the athletes are pretty stiff when they move into acting. But GSP has been one of those guys that's transitioned really well, uh, and that's pretty cool. Well, I mean, to be honest, they don't really have him saying a lot. That's true. It's just him doing his karate and action hero guy stuff with the occasional words in French that most of the audience doesn't understand anyway. That's fair. That's very fair. I, I think too, though, I think that he he's he kind of looks, maybe it's just he looks apart. I don't know whether they cast him well or he just, he's got the look that kind of works with it. Maybe with Gina Carano and uh, Ronda Rousey, you kind of get just a one, one expression. That's all you kind of get with him. You kind of, he seems to be a little more animated anyway. Yeah, no, I'd agree. So what do you think uh, will happen? What is what is the future? What are the Easter eggs? What what do you think uh, is going to happen? Who is going to be the big the big reveal 
in this show. I've heard rumors. Oh, have you? I, I haven't been looking at any sort of rumor chat that's been going on. There's just so many so many directions that they could go. I, I honestly don't know. What what have you been hearing? Tell the people. I'll tell the people. I haven't really like done a deep dive. Like one division after every episode, I was going in, I was looking for all the Easter eggs and all that stuff. But for this show, I haven't as much as I just haven't had the time to. But uh, you know, just scrolling through you know you know social media, and I managed to catch something about the potential of the Punisher showing up in the uh, uh, the suit uh, Iron Man's uh, battle armor. I can't remember what. Oh my goodness, I, I'm totally forgetting what uh, the war uh, the war armor or whatever. And yeah. uh, that happened in the comic book. I don't know whether or not it's going to actually happen or if that's just wishful thinking from some people. And, of course, I caught that one right away. I'm like, oh, Punisher, yes, I'm down. The way that it's going right now, I could totally see them introducing the Punisher. It is a very, it's a very dark series, which I think he would fit into wonderfully. I could totally see him jumping in and chasing down these uh, this group of uh, super soldiers and uh you know getting involved with that somehow or maybe he becomes a super soldier who knows i'm i'm really interested to see where the storyline is going to go with this new captain america uh, and that's one of the other rumors that people are talking about is that uh they may not have one of these guys take the mantle or they may have one of these guys take the mantle so that's a big debate that you're seeing online right now to be honest i like the way that they left it going in with nobody actually taking that on and them maintaining their own individual characters the guy that's now playing or i shouldn't say now playing who's now captain america he isn't steve rogers i don't know what the character's real name is but he does have a lot of military background to him and uh, special ops training and so forth and, and missions. And he actually, he seems to be able to do the job. So he, and this is a spoiler for you, he is going to become U.S. agent. And uh, I don't know the whole story behind him. I would assume that uh, he gives up the mantle of Captain America and just goes on and becomes his own character which is very similar to captain america but i think without the super soldier serum and uh, he's, just, he's just called u.s agent living up to the captain america name is i think that's too much but to have another american hero you you build you build what you want uh, exactly and i think that's i think that's what we're going to end up seeing is that they're going to all end up being their own individual characters falcon's gonna be falcon winter soldier will stay winter soldier uh, U.S. agent or, or Captain America will become U.S. agent. And I can't remember the other character's name. What was it? Warhammer or something like that? I can't remember. Uh, yeah, I think that I think that they will leave the Captain America behind, basically, and leave it for Steve Rogers to just kind of be like his legacy. Yeah, I was a little afraid after the first episode. I was expecting that the Falcon was going to have to be pulling the new Captain America out of all sorts of trouble, but he seems to be able to handle himself pretty well. Yeah, I again, like, I really love how uh, the dynamic of the show and the characters and stuff like that. I'm not a big fan of uh, what's going on with the uh, these Flag Smashers group or whatever, with the Carly Morgan Thou and um, who these other people are. I, I don't know if they're really that convincing, and they just seem like an annoyance. They do seem to be a big part of the storyline right now. Yeah. They, they are definitely kind of the underlying trouble 
the power broker is i guess he's the one who's who's oh, okay. got the, the flag smashers he's the one who's who's paying for the flag smashers so i wonder if the power broker is somebody important i don't uh, i don't remember anybody called power broker in the comic books i didn't come across him but this storyline i'm not that strong on anyway from from the comics i didn't really read much of the comics I, I'm, I'm not a big avengers guy when it comes to the comic books i have some ideas of some of the stories and and where they go and, and who becomes who and all that stuff but i think it's probably why they can do so much with this because people really don't know their stories as well i think they've done it in in a way that it's keeping it interesting anyway and you know they're, they're still drawing from the comic book at least in a certain extent right you know having a u.s agent there having you know the Falcon and Winter Soldier and trying to decide who's going to be the next Captain America or if it's even going to happen. Um, and, but also drawing some of these characters out like Sharon Carter and so on and so forth. And I think that, do you think that maybe Hydra will make an appearance? I suspect at some point that we'll see some Hydra. Would it be interesting, wouldn't it be interesting if uh, Red Skull comes back as the power broker? Or what about Nick Fury? Do you think? No, I don't, no, I don't think so. Yeah, that's just, I'm just throwing that one out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did see a rumor about Mephisto showing up as a power broker, but I mean, everybody kept talking about Mephisto showing up during uh, WandaVision. I think this series is supposed to lead into the multiverse a little bit, but it's also supposed to lead into Civil, or sorry, not Civil War, the Black Widow movie, which is kind of oh, weird to it? me because the timelines are way off, right? Because Black oh. Widow is dead at this particular instant in the uh, the Marvel Universe, because she died at the end of Endgame or during Endgame. I don't know how they're going to relate any of this together. Writers can do anything. Who knows? We're speculating on with <laughs> zero knowledge, correct? Yeah, exactly. But it's, it's turned out to be a really good show. And uh, again, I mean, I, I was at first, I wasn't necessarily buying it, but then just the dynamics between the two actors, between uh, Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan, Falcon and Winter Soldier, and then you know, Baron Zemo, like uh, his name is Daniel Bruel or Bruel. It's been great dynamic with those those guys. And it's, I really, I'm enjoying that aspect. I think that this is going to be a show that really builds up and I think it's going to be an awesome show in a very short period of time. Yeah, because it's only six episodes, which makes that even more frustrating for me. <laughs> and then we wait until they film another six. That's right. Or see what whatever comes out next. And there's so many I mean, shows on, on It's the only slate. six. Why can't they just drop them all at once? Well, exactly. Or, you know, make it eight. <laughs> or yeah. or just make them hour or long ten, episodes. Maybe. I don't maybe care ten. if you just fill in a bunch of crap. I don't care. I just want I want something to bite onto and hold onto at least for a little bit. Give me three shows. Just three hours. That's right. Just three. That's right. That's all I want. And then honestly, like I mean, when I'm done watching this, I got to sit there and I got to watch the Mighty Ducks after that. And that's just, you know, Ooh. yeah. Actually, Mighty Ducks is kind of cute. That's another, my, that's another my show. My son loved the, the first Mighty Duck, Ducks movie. Is yeah. it actually a TV show now? Yeah, it's a TV series or uh, a Disney series. And uh, it's, it's cute. It's a kid's show for sure. But yeah. uh, the, it's got Emilio Estevez comes back and or he's in it. And he's, he's I guess he's kind of like the comedic uh, um talent in this particular i don't know what his story is but uh it's interesting but uh, that's another show for another episode i think yeah i'm pretty excited to see where the, the falcon and winter soldier goes yeah we'll jump back in on this subject very soon yeah well we'll, uh, we'll aim for one of our next well you know what maybe we'll come back after this series is over and we can really talk about all the exciting uh new people that show up you know yeah definitely sure 
yeah, we'll go through, we'll talk about the new characters that show up, any of the Easter eggs that we've discovered from one through six. Yeah, sounds great. And we can spoil it for anybody that's listening. So speaking of spoilers, <laughs> just kidding. I have no idea how to segue <laughs> into this, but that's okay. Anyway, let's uh, let's hop on to our next subject, Canadian rock. Oh, awesome. You are, I know that you are quite a Canadian rock fan. Why don't you uh, why don't you jump in and, and kind of start us off here? I think my Canadian rock experience started back a long time ago, back when I was in grade six. I got into Brian Adams, the classic Canadian rock guy. A rock god almost. My brother was a huge Brian Adams fan, so I was stuck listening to a lot of Brian Adams crap. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, to be fair, Brian yeah. Adams is classic and he's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> no, to be honest, you, uh, your brother and I, 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 for those listening, Rob and I, we actually grew up together and I was actually friends with his brother as well. And uh, his brother and I, we did spend a lot of time listening to Brian Adams, had, uh, had many, many a tape from him. And I've actually only seen him perform once, which was back, I think it was probably back in 92 up in Barrie, Molson Park. That's it, Molson Park. Saw him perform at Molson Park back in 92. Haven't seen him since. I think he spends a lot of time performing in Europe now. I think he I think he primarily lives in Europe. Interesting, I, I've never actually seen a live performance of him, like that, you know, like even on, then again, I mean, he wasn't around during the YouTube years, so it was only on a Canadian show that you might've seen him on. And I never, he didn't watch a lot of Canadian television. But uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know how was he, how was he as a live performer? Oh, he was amazing. The thing is, he was your classic blue jeans, white t-shirt guy, and that's what everybody thought of him as. That, and that's what he would wear wherever he went. I saw him interviewed probably about ten years ago, and he was wearing something that was much more stylish, and the lady that was interviewing him just couldn't understand what was going on. I'm like, um, you're pretty dressed up right now. What's, uh, where's the blue jeans and, and white t-shirt? And I, I wear other things as well. <laughs> I, I do wear some cool clothes besides the white t-shirt. That's, that's the Canadian rock story right there, right? Like you have to look a certain way for your entire life. I mean, we, we can talk about, we can talk about Kim Mitchell and the baseball cap forever, but Oh, for sure. Uh, yeah, that's that's really the Canadian thing. Would you would you hazard to say that Brian Adams was the Bruce Springsteen of Canada? Completely. Yeah, I totally he, would. He was playing that same sort of music that really resonated with the people. For sure. And I can, I can very much appreciate that uh, that analogy for sure. Right. And just so as big. Oh, 100%. Like, I, I, you know, relative to Canadian standard, I guess, yeah, yeah there's, uh, yeah, you know, the, the Canadian market is, uh, was a little tougher back then, that's for sure. Uh, perhaps. I, I'd have to go back and look at sales numbers and everything from, from each artist. But I mean, he did, he did have a huge uh, breakout. Uh, I mean, that wasn't even a breakout. In Canada, he was, he was Canada's well, best guarded secret until uh, was the Robin Hood and Prince of Thieves. Uh, film oh with, yeah with your buddy with your buddy kevin costner and what was the song everything i do i do it for you or something i'm going to jump in here now with one of my 
was one of my favorite Canadian rockers uh, because her husband, Mutt Lang, actually was one of the songwriters for Everything I Do, I Do It For You by Brian Adams. Mutt Lang also did a number of other stuff like, uh, I believe, um, ACDC as well. But we're not talking about Mutt Lang. We're talking about Shania Twain. <laughs> you know what? She is absolutely huge. She was massive. Like she could possibly be the one that kind of broke the Canadian music industry into America. I think. I think it would be honest, an honest estimation that she did. Probably not that far off. With her fusion of country and pop music that just exploded in the '90s. I think it was the '90s anyway, like the early '90s with her "Woman and Me," um, "Any Man of Mine" song, like that just. Ex- exploded exploded the industry and she became so huge and she comes her life comes out of like a tragic story as well like she was i believe she was like just a performer at a young age and then her parents died in a car accident when she was like 18 so she ended up having to take care of her kid or her uh, her siblings but then she became this massive massive superstar and like she crossed so many boundaries you know, was a real inspiration, number one, to women musicians, uh, but just to Canadians as well. And not only not only just Canadians, but Northern Canadians too, because she came from Timmins, which is a Northern- That's what I was going to say. Northern part I of thought, Ontario. I thought that she was from from the Timmins area. Well, she ended up like, and, <laughs> like, like another Canadian artist, she ended up going to Las Vegas and doing like a long stint there in Las Vegas. And I don't yeah, she know- she had a residency there. Yeah, I don't know if she's still doing it. I don't know. I'm just on her website, right? And you can text her apparently, which I think I might do. But <laughs> just, <laughs> just kidding. But uh, she's uh, she kind of disappeared for a while too. I don't know if it's because she was raising uh, her own uh, her own children. She showed up on the scene. I think it was like two or three years ago with a uh, at a concert. Like I don't know if it was one of the award shows or something like that. But uh, it was just like an amazing moment to see her. Just kind of oh my god, Shania Twain is back. And it was just like a, an uplifting moment to see her just perform again, right? Oh but yeah, she was she was a phenomenal, phenomenal. Well, she sold over a hundred million records, right? Making her the best-selling female artist in country music history. That's crazy. And that that's not that's not best-selling Canadian, Canadian best. artist. That's best-selling female artist in country music history. Uh, who else? Who else was another Canadian influencer or Canadian rocker that you enjoyed? I think you you can't have this discussion without talking about the tragically hip. Have you seen the tragically hip perform before? I have not. I have a sorry. I have a confession. I am not a big fan of the hip. Okay, that and that's okay. Okay, you may not. People may not respect me anymore as a Canadian. <laughs> I've actually seen them perform twice before, but the funny thing is, is that the first time that I saw them perform, it was at a big summer concert series. And they're not the reason that I went to that concert. I went to see 5440 play. That's who I wanted to see. Yes, Tragically Hip was there, but that's not why I was there. I mean, and there's no there's no question about their influence in Canadian music and Canadian Canadian radio specifically. It was like because of the, the Canadian content rules that we had, it was like seemed like every channel had to play Tragically Hip. They really covered so many different genres that almost every radio station could play them. And they had that Canadian um, 
I don't know, like the Canadian hook. Yeah, completely. They 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 kind of took that folky aspect of their music and made sure that there was always reference to Canada, at least in in certain aspects of it. Anyway, I can't listen to them like twenty four seven. I'm good for a couple songs. You know what? I enjoyed the show. I can listen to an entire show, but um, just to to listen to them twenty four seven, it becomes a little bit much for me. New Orleans is sinking. I could listen to probably at least 23 hours. <laughs> 20. It's a it's an amazing song. That song, and it's not even there's no Canadian relation to that song, but it and it's just a fantastic song, and everybody sings along. Funny thing is, I think with, with radio is that they never play that song. Radio plays all their other stuff, the stuff I don't like. <laughs> The ones that everybody else likes. Yeah, they're definitely, uh, they're definitely like some of the songs that they have are great Canadian. And I, I mean, they went out with such a bang. And I mean, I don't know how to say it without sounding like, I mean, that's kind of maybe a bad way to say, it, but when Gord Downey uh, announced that he had, uh, was it Gord Downey? Is that, yeah. is that the name of the lead singer? Yeah. Um, he, uh, when he had, was it brain cancer that he had, he was diagnosed with? And they did that round of shows before he died uh just to kind of a farewell tour right like i mean you That's can't exactly tell me what it was you can't tell me that that wasn't emotional and even though i was not a tragically hip fan i was a tragically i was a tragically hip fan for that moment i went and saw them play at the kitchener odd for that tour nice and during that concert i had um gold seats just kind of off to the side right and i had one of those one of those shared shared moments with Gord. Nice. As he's staring at me and I'm staring right back at him and he's doing one of those talking montages through his song and it's directed right at me. And maybe it was the guy directly behind me or maybe the guy in front of me, but my wife said, I think he's talking to you. <laughs> own, own that moment, Andrew. Own that yeah. moment. Because that I mean to be fair, to be fair, that's that's a that's a pretty awesome moment. Even if he was looking at the guy behind you, it doesn't matter. Like, I'm sure he was looking at you. Let's just go with that. He was looking at you. And he's going, hey, that's that guy that wrote that kid's book. <laughs> you know, I guess maybe at that time, I, I can't remember the song for the life of me right now. If I listened to the album, then then I could. But I was just sitting there, you know, I'm trying to be cool. With my <laughs> arms crossed. I'm just kind of bopping the head oh. a little bit. And and maybe he thought I needed to be more into the show. <laughs> you're one of, you're one of those guys, hey. <laughs> <laughs> and then then the eyes connected, and so then he had to get me into the show. <laughs> nice, <laughs> that's great. Yeah, I, I I did go to a show one time with my best friend who was sitting there, and the entire show he was arm crossed. The entire show he was standing up for the for it was a Metallica show. Was, uh, sorry for the side story here, but yeah, and he just stood there with his arm crossed. Everybody around us is just smashing their heads against everything and yelling at everybody, and arms just flailing. And my best friend was just sitting there with his arms crossed the whole time. Stone still, stone face. But he, I asked him afterwards, and he said he he loved it, right? Great but show. <laughs> great show, great show. Like, okay. You just didn't want the headache after. Yeah. Clearly, you're one of those guys. I think. <laughs> Apparently. So speaking of like headbanging, uh, you do you ever listen to Sum 41? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Sum 41, I think they, they kind of had a bit of a hiatus for a while. I think when uh, the lead singer, he kind of went off and I guess he had some issues with drugs and he got married to Avril Lavigne for a short bit there. Oh, I forgot about that. And Avril, there we go, Avril Lavigne, another great Canadian that we could always talk about at some point. But uh, Sum 41, I thought, was always kind of like the underrated 
punk band uh, of Canada, not just Canada, but the world. I think that they had like a, a worldly sound that at the time it came out of like Green Day was out and Offspring and, you know, and I just thought that yeah. they were, they had a great sound and they loved to, to talk or like, you know, they, they, they kind of went, touched heavy metal a little bit, you know, in their music as well as the punk type of thing that they were doing. Yeah, and like they, they really covered a lot of genres. Like they were like a more of a pop punk uh, sound at least what you heard on the the radio and then yeah. also had that skate punk influence yeah and then moved in moved into the metal as well too yeah i, I think skate punk or skate pop skate punk is probably kind of like that like they were not avril lavigne skate punk they were like you know, a little more hardcore punk i thought completely and uh but they were also cut some pretty wild guys like i remember watching a video with them and they are just having all kinds of like they weren't like you know, these these obnoxious rockers but they're the ones that you know, they had all kinds of fun like there was one uh scene where uh in in a video i watched and the one guy had dropped his favorite belt buckle in the toilet after he'd gone for a a, a number one or a p and uh but he wanted he didn't want to flush his favorite belt buckle so he reached oh, no. in but instead of washing his hands, he went out to uh, to his uh, bandmates and he was walking around and he's shaking their hands and he's rubbing his hands through their hair and stuff like that. And, <laughs> and then tells them after the fact. Yeah, or they would have seen the video, I guess, after it was released. <laughs> and it was just like, oh, uh, terrible, terrible. But I mean, you know, that was the kind of thing that, that we probably all did as teenagers at some point, I'm sure. Well, maybe not exactly that, but something that we would have done. No, like just being stupid idiots. Yeah. And, it was, and just having fun with it and and that for me that's why i like some 41 because that came across in their music too like their music and their videos uh and even i watched a recently a a reaction video where they were reacting to all of their old videos and it was like it was only like two years ago or a year ago so it was pretty current and so it was, it was interesting to see how they'd all age and stuff like that and they're watching all these old videos that they hadn't seen in years of their own music videos and they're just like laughing and telling stories and these guys are just like this is so down to earth and they're just like guys that you probably at that age you would have hung out with you would have been in a, a jackass just like them and nowadays you nowadays you probably look at them and go oh god i hate them but but yeah no i thought that they were pretty uh pretty down to earth and fun and it came across in their music now a band that i really got into over the years was blue rodeo i've owned a lot of their music they are classic canadian rock but with a very country sound to them. A little bit, as you say, bluegrass? Or, yeah. No, maybe not bluegrass, yeah. but, but definitely like a country vibe. Definitely have a country vibe for sure. But they were that they were that band, though, that, that crossed over from just being country. Like, I, when I think of them, I don't really think country. No. But you totally hear it. To me, they're the band that everybody knows. And if especially if you're Canadian, everybody knows, but you don't know. So you're like, you're at the wedding and the song Try, I think, is is that the yeah. one that, uh, the really famous the one that, yeah. yeah, that one comes on and everybody sings along to it, but you can rest assured that if you ask 90% of the people who were singing along with it, it they're like, who's that? Or they'd be all like, oh, oh, what's the name of this band? What's the name of this band? I mean, to be fair, that's all Canadian music, but <laughs> specifically Blue Rodeo, they were always that band who were like, yeah, I love this band. I don't know who they are, but I love them. I saw them back probably 93 or so, and I, I haven't seen them since. One of my wife's friends had got my wife two tickets to go see them, 
several years back and my youngest brother was getting married at the time and it was his rehearsal dinner and so I had to go to the rehearsal dinner and miss the miss the show so my wife and, and her friend they went and saw the show and now now I just keep waiting for another one to come around are they still performing yeah totally for sure no they're 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 another great band to to catch live for sure and definitely one that I plan on seeing again. Speaking of live bands, you've got to see, and you know what? This podcast could get shut down as soon as I say this. Nickelback. <laughs> so there, there's such a hate, a hate for Nickelback, and I don't understand it. Maybe it's because, you know, they they're, they're, they got into the pop later in their career, or, or people just kind of... I don't even know what it was. I think they got like rated like the, the ugliest band in the world or something at one point, but just stupid stuff. People were just hating them for no reason, but they are a fantastic band to watch live. I'd seen them two times and we were supposed to see them a third time, but uh, the show ended up getting canceled because of the weather. The concerts that we went to, there is probably like 15 to 20,000 people in the, in these uh, arenas. And, you know, if, if all that hate was, was, you know, as people said it was, then there's no way that it'd be 15,000 people or 20,000 people that love them as much as the, the way that those people were loving Nickelback at that particular moment in those shows. Yeah, there was this tipping point, you know, 15 years ago, uh, more than 15 years ago, where somebody, like a fairly high profile person, said that they didn't like them. And because of that, everybody started to jump on that bandwagon and would say that that they didn't like them but they put out tons of great music well as i said like i mean they sold how many millions of records and they made millions and millions of dollars and to for people to say that oh yeah they're horrible but i mean uh, you can't tell you know the talent or you can't tell how good something is by the amount of money it makes but there's got to be something that says i mean they how many records they sold but they were worldwide, they were international, and they've sold so many records, especially their first album. There you go, one song, I think I'm just looking, a song called Thank You has 4 billion streams. And I can't say I know that song off the top of my head because I, I haven't listened to a lot of their newer stuff. Back in the day, we're talking like, yeah, probably like just before the world turned against them, I guess. I mean, I went to a concert and... It, I felt like I was at a metal concert. Like they were so heavy, and people going on about how you know they're they're so pop and they're so dandy, but they were so heavy. And they even covered like not covered, but they did a song a tribute to Pantera, who was apparently a big influence to them. And that song, well, like I felt like I was at a Pantera concert. Like people were going nuts. It was so loud and so heavy. And then the lead guitarist even did like a, a Pantera. Uh, tribute guitar solo and I'm just like holy crap like the guy was shredding like and I mean if anybody who knows Pantera knows guitar music Dimebag Daryl from Pantera was considered one of the greatest guitars, guitarists in history and I mean for the fact that the Nickelback lead guitarist could, could rip off some serious guitar solo as a tribute was just amazing so I think that they are an unfairly targeted band, sold more than 50 million albums worldwide. So they're not quite as popular as Shania Twain. You know, 50 million is nothing to shake a stick at, you know what I mean? Like, Didn't Chad Kroger write one of, uh, one of the big theme songs to 
um, like a Spider-Man movie or something? Yes, him and uh, um, I don't remember the other guy's name. Um, they 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 wrote the song Heroes, or they played the song, performed the song Heroes on the Spider-Man soundtrack. I can't remember which which Spider-Man soundtrack it was. You know, you know how many. Yeah, there's been so many Spider-Man, Spider-Man movies. Yeah, I mean, for them for them to reach out to him to write that music, that says something. Exactly. So, I mean, I think that the hate is un unreasonable. But I mean, there was like there the last couple songs that I heard of theirs were a little more poppy, a little less edgy. You know, I wasn't really digging some of those newer songs. But then again, I mean, I was older and my taste may have changed a bit. So. And I didn't really give it a chance because I wasn't really listening at the time. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think a lot with a lot of things, our, our tastes change. And also musicians change with time as well, too. They don't have the same life experiences that they were having 20 years ago. They're writing about new experiences, and maybe they're not not as heavy anymore. Yeah, perhaps, yeah. They're just not, they don't have the same energy that they had, or maybe they, they, they've taken it in a different direction. You go too hard now, then your hip goes out. Exactly, right? <laughs> so speaking of celebrities, why don't we talk about some of the celebrities that we've met or the the walks with fame that we've had the opportunity to uh, come across. Andrew, why don't you tell me a story about somebody you've met? I suppose it, it would have been about 20 years ago. I was working in the hotel industry in Toronto. So I had lots of opportunities to meet, like kind of meet people just as they passed through. This is actually a crossover from Canadian rock into meeting celebrities. But I met the original lineup for Bare Naked Ladies. They were performing for, it was a little uh, Christmas concert for 99.9, the Toronto radio station, um, on the pool deck at my hotel. And so they were just sitting there hanging out. I got the opportunity to just chat with the guys briefly. Uh, I got a CD sign, which was kind of cool. That is pretty cool because the Bare Naked Ladies are, uh, I mean, they're Canadian legends as well, right? That's cool. I think I'd be pretty excited to meet the Bare Naked Ladies. Yeah, no, it it was pretty cool. For our, sorry to interrupt, for our American listeners, the Bare Naked Ladies is an all-male rock band, okay, or all-male folky rock band. Uh, so, yeah, we're not talking about Bare Naked Ladies. I mean, we've yeah, met I our, wasn't at a nightclub as, no, as they were taking sure, it all off. I'm sure we've met our fair share of Bare Naked Ladies, but the Bare Naked Ladies, a different story. <laughs> How about you, Rob? Well, uh, I'll start off with my, my Canadian connection, I guess, but uh, not a rock star per se, but a, a TV uh, personality, I guess. So he was a, he was a TV host. Uh, he did uh, Iron Chef. Um, I think it was Iron Chef, was it Iron Chef Canada? Yeah. Um, or no, Iron Chef America, sorry. And he was the, uh, he was the kind of like the, the guy inside the ring. So he was the guy that would be down in the, uh, in the pit talking to the, the chefs and the, uh, and the contestants. And uh, his name is Kevin Brosh. I think I mentioned his name. I can't remember if I mentioned his name yet. Uh, so back in, uh, two, I'm going to say probably 2009 or 2010, I had my own film studio and we sometimes did odd jobs here and there. And we had a, a running job with a contract with the Ontario government. The Ontario government did this uh, one feature called the uh, Sip and Savor, where they would like talk about foods and wines and all that stuff because wine has or Ontario has a pretty decent wine business I guess uh, or area location so but in downtown Toronto in 
it was they called the distillery district was kind of like an upscale uh rich neighborhood rich restaurant kind of place and they had this sip and savor show where they would have all the local restaurants and wineries would kind of be competing for each other's business so for instance you know the winery would have their stuff there and they'd be like okay we want all these restaurant entrepreneurs to feature our wine in their restaurants so basically it was this giant cooking cooking extravaganza uh in the middle of this this old factory building and there was like celebrity chefs like anybody that you'd seen on tv was there uh anybody you know who was anybody in the industry whether it was wine industry or the, the food industry was there trying to get more business or get featured and stuff like that so the ontario government had kevin brosh host this particular show and so i had teamed up with uh i guess there was a media department in the ontario government in our hometown and we were called up and said okay we got an opportunity to go work with you know with this show and so i got to meet kevin brosh and for me at the time like that was exciting because we were big into the into the food network and my wife was a huge fan of the iron chef and well everybody was a, a huge fan of iron yeah. chef back then I got to work with Kevin Brosh. So he would go around, he'd interview all the chefs and interview all the, the wineries and stuff like that. And we had the cameras. I was big, I looked like Chewbacca. I had, I was carrying the lights, but then I had these bandoliers of batteries wrapped around me. And the funny thing was everybody- keep it going. Yeah, yeah. Everybody who was there was dressed up in tuxedos and, and, and dresses or gowns and stuff like that. And there we were, my, my uh, the, the guy who was kind of running it for the Ontario government, he was wearing a, a Hawaiian shirt and shorts. And I'm wearing like just a, a button down t-shirt and uh, a pair of shorts. And I got like sweat, through. Yeah, sweat stains down my back and everything. But I'll tell you, Kevin Brosh was awesome. Like he was, he was just great great personality to work with hopefully i don't i don't get in trouble for saying this but he got done dickered every oh, really? booth he went to they they served him up a full glass of wine for him oh. to try so <laughs> by the end of the show it kind of got to the point like it looked like he was annoying some of the chefs because he was he was he wasn't he wasn't like an angry drunk he was like one of those like lovey-dovey drunks so you know, he, you know, as he got drunker and drunker, he was just, he was, he was being a little obnoxious, but he was just like, you know, he'd get right in their faces. It, and, it was you know, a lot of love coming was a from lot of love. his side uh, of the room. Arms wrapped around, you know, like everybody who was near him and stuff like that. And at the end of the show, he came up to me and he gives me this huge hug. And I like, I basically had zero interaction with him before that. And he comes and gives me this big hug, tells me he loves me. And uh, <laughs> I took that opportunity and, you know, uh, I took advantage of his drunkenness and I asked him, uh, for some autographs for for the wife and my mother and uh, and he said oh yeah yeah for sure just email me he gave me his business card and i still have it around somewhere but uh, he gave me his business card so i emailed him uh, a couple days later i said hey just you know if you don't mind sending those because he told me he was going to send he had a couple books published and he told me he would send a couple books so uh, I, I messaged him but then i never heard back from him after that no books ever arrived but doesn't uh, remember a thing yeah you know what whatever right it was a great time and he was he was so awesome. It, it was a great time. Well, I was also at the hotel. I got to meet John Larroquette. Do you, rem do you remember him? Do. Night Court? Night Court, yeah. yeah Dan. Exactly. Was, it, was his name Dan in yeah, that show? Dan Fielding. Yeah. Dan Fielding. So he came through the hotel. I guess he was doing what he referred to as a, a B-movie. And I actually sat there and probably chatted with the guy for about 15 minutes, which was kind of cool. He was a really down to earth guy. I just kind of said, Hey, what, what brings you into town? 
he just started going. 15 minutes passed by and then he went on his way. I, I love that about um, certain celebrities. Uh, you know what? If you if you treat them, and in my in my experience, if you treat them like normal people, then they will talk to you like a normal person. Most of them. No, for sure. So that's interesting because I hated that guy. I really hated that guy in that well, show. And that was his character, though. You were supposed to hate him. Of the comedy series Night Court, he was the bad guy. What a great show that was, too. So, I mean, and the fact that he can make you hate him, I mean, that just tells you how good of an actor he was. Do you have anybody else in... Uh, yeah. In I, I've, I've met so many, so I, I tried to whittle, <laughs> whittle, whittle down a, a few stories. But uh, one, one of my favorites and, and most interesting um, was Jake the Snake Roberts. That guy is crazy. He had a sordid history for sure. Like he was a professional wrestler, WWF, the old school WWF wrestler. So WWF was, wrestler, those listening, in case you don't know him. He was uh, like, he was for sure a, uh, one of the top tier guys for a while, like one of the big villains. And then he became a face and was a good guy for a while, but he was massive, but he had a really sordid history. And he was one of the early, earlier guys that kind of exposed the industry for what it was. Beside the point, in, in recent years, he had cleaned up and he got noted because he he had a big crack addiction, I think it was, and he was bad into drugs and a lot of family issues. But he'd cleaned up in recent years through uh, doing yoga with uh, one of the other former wrestlers and stuff like that. And uh, we had the opportunity, my, my best friend who was a huge wrestling buff, uh, we had the opportunity to meet Jake the Snake at a, at a, a local collectible show. So we went there and uh, we we're in lineup and a huge lineup for him. And then there was another another celebrity there. And the funny thing was the other celebrity was pretty cool too. The other celebrity was a voice actor who happened to be Starscream in Transformers and Skeletor oh, yeah. in Skeletor in He-Man and Masters of the Universe. And while we were in line waiting to meet Jake the Snake Roberts, uh, somebody had gotten the, the voice actor to leave a birthday message uh, for her husband on his uh on his answering service that's he hilarious it. he did it in the skeletor voice and it was great like everybody after he he'd hung up the phone everybody in the lineup had cheered him on and had you know given this big round of applause so anyway we got to jake the snake roberts my best friend and i got up there with him and he was he was a vulgar vulgar individual and i, I did feel a little ashamed about that because there was a lot of kids there right and he but he was just like vulgar like swearing left right and center he treated us like we were his best friend like, oh, that's pretty cool. As if he knew us like for years and years. He just grabbed us for the picture and he like put his arm around us and like brought us right in, like, you know, like as if we knew him. And he was a he's a tall guy. So he was it was my best my best friend's pretty tall, so it wasn't that big of a difference. But for me, like he was like towering above me. But he was like so awesome. He just grabbed us and like talked to us for a few minutes and he, he was getting a little antsy because I was having a hard time getting a picture, but uh it was it was great. <laughs> like it was honestly it was, it was a really cool moment to meet Jake the Snake. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, and uh, considering it had been the trials and tribulations, he was he was he was just fun and awesome. How about you? Anybody else for you? I've got one big one for you. Excellent, Matthew McConaughey. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, <laughs> okay, he, that is huge. Yeah, um, and the funny thing was, I didn't even realize who he was at the time. <laughs> Awesome. Okay. So how long ago was this, would you say? Another another one of those hotel experiences. He was coming coming up to get an interview done. Uh, there was another actress that was already waiting with uh, with the lady that was doing the interviews. And he came up and he was just asking me where to go. 
and he just kind of like walked up kind of hey buddy how's it going like he he was just he was a dude off the street i just pictured that in his voice <laughs> hey buddy how you doing <laughs> yeah no like it, it it was just kind of crazy i didn't realize who he was until after the fact and i had friends come up and say hey do you know who that was no i i don't but matthew mcconaughey that, that's I chatted with him for probably all of 15 seconds and that was that was the brush that that's pretty awesome like i mean that like you don't get much bigger than that no i don't think you i don't think you do speaking of bigger though like i'll, I'll oh, finish completely. I'll, I'll finish off with my, my my final guy and, and this guy was massive and this one was probably i've met a lot of celebrities you know i'm not bragging or anything like that i've just had the opportunity to meet a lot of different celebrities but this one was probably the most important one to me. Uh, I I was working at a, at a particular place, and my friend, uh, him and his brother, his half brother, uh, they ran uh, Toronto Maple Leaf alumni hockey games uh, in locally with uh, with our local uh, firefighters team. So okay. it was like char- charity hockey games. They get all these old old has been hockey players and stuff like that come out. Right. My buddy said to me he wanted me to come out and help out, and I get to like you know basically serve beer up and open the door for the players and stuff like that. So, I mean, I loved hockey. And so that was pretty, pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, so I'm like, oh, why not? Sure. Right. And then he, he calls me up. He's coming to pick me up and he calls me and says, you got anything with Bob Probert? Like, you know, any cards or jerseys or anything like that to sign? I'm like, why? Why would I have something for Bob Probert? Bob Probert didn't play for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Right. He said, my, my brother thinks Bob Probert's coming. But, okay. So, <laughs> So a little little brief history. Bob Prober was one of my favorite players. He was a tough guy. He was he was the tough guy when in hockey, yeah. right? Like he was like the champion, right? He was the guy that had to just bully people basically, crush their heads with his fists, right? And but he was always one of my favorites, you know, in my later years. So I grabbed my rookie card. I grabbed a couple other cards. I thought, okay, he see he said it may not happen, but he might be coming. So we get better have something ready just in case. Yeah. So we get there and uh, I'm holding the door. I see him counting all the players coming in and it's like two minutes before game time and I'm holding the door open in the 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 one aisle way or, or the one entrance for, for the players come in. And at the same area where all the people lining up to get into the hockey game. And so I got, I seen a couple of friends who were standing in the lineup and all that stuff and I'm holding the door and I'm just like, I'm kind of shooting the shooting the breeze with my one friend thinking, okay, it's two minutes to do Bob Roberts not coming. Well, I see my friend and his eyes just kind of like turn into like the size of saucers. And then I turn around and over my shoulder is Bob Probert walking in with his hockey bag. And he was towering, towering above me. This guy was like a monster, <laughs> right? And I opened the door and said, how you doing, Bob? And he said, hey, and he just kind of walked in. Right? I'm like, oh my God, Bob Probert's here. Right? I was so like, I mean, I was like said, trembling. Hey. Yeah, and I was like trembling. <laughs> I go in and uh, I, you know, I serve the guys beer or just bring beer to the locker room and stuff like that. And then I'm standing right beside the Toronto Maple Leaf bench during the game. So, you know, all these old like guys like Will Paymont and Gary Lehman and so on and so forth, all these old has-been hockey players. And Bob Probert puts on the Toronto Maple Leaf jersey, which is just amazing for a Toronto Maple Leaf fans. I mean, I'm not a Leaf fan, but, you know, all the Toronto Maple Leaf fans are going crazy about this idea. Well, I mean, he, he played down in Detroit, which is like right next door yeah detroit and chicago but he was like the household name yeah. because he was the toughest guy on the ice well he is out there playing and he's just dominating he scored like six goals he's just i mean he was only retired for a couple of years at that point but he was just fantastic but i remember standing at the at the boards and he looks at me 
from the ice. And I actually had to take a step back because the look of intensity in his eyes. You thought he was coming through to you. Yeah, I thought he would, he would like drive through me. But like he, I don't think he was looking at me. He just, I just made the eye contact. Yeah. And it was just like, oh my goodness. Like I actually had to step back. That look on his face was so inten- intimidating. But anyway, uh, getting to the end of the game, uh, I run the beer into the, into the players. And as I bring it in, and Bob is like standing there and he's chugging, hammering back like a tall boy that he, I guess he brought with him. And he hammers it back and he's like, okay. As you he, do. He, yell, he yells to one of the other guys that I guess was his ride or whatever. So let's go, right? And he just kind of blows past me. I'm like, oh crap. So I ended up chasing him down into the, into the back into the arena. And I called him and said, hey, Bob, hey, Bob. And he turns around and he, and he kind of had this like look on his face like he was like irritated. But then he sees me and then he just, his face just softened, right? And I said, I've seen hey, this guy all night. Yeah. I said, hey, can I get an autograph? He goes, oh, yeah, sure, right? So then he, like, turns out, <laughs> and he's cool. just, like, this huge, friendly guy, right? And he signs my cards, and I show him a couple other cards I brought. He's like, oh, that's cool. And he was, like, going – he was concerned that I, that he was signing his rookie card, that it would ruin the value of it. His, I guess he didn't realize his rookie card wasn't really worth a lot. But, you know, <laughs> I was just like, I don't care, man. It's just the idea of you signing. Sign and, then, it. Yeah. and I'm sitting there kind of talking to him a little bit about stuff. And that was, like, one of the greatest experiences and then some lady came up behind me as a little little kid barely walking and asked for an autograph and he got down on his knees so you imagine this giant monster guy gets down on his knees for this little kid and you know takes a picture with this little kid it's just like fantastic that's cool oh that's that's pretty darn cool that's awesome now that that is a uh that's a pretty good celebrity uh crossing um to, to finish the show on i'd say I, I agree. I think that we can we can wrap it up with that one. So, no, that was fantastic. Well, everybody, thank you for listening to our show this evening. Appreciate you guys all coming out. Please like, subscribe. We are now available on all major podcasting networks. So, if you can like, subscribe, listen to on whichever one that you want, and that'd be great. Come check out our website, uh, podcast.tribe74.com, and check out our friends at tribe74.com for digital media needs. Thanks, guys, for coming out. Andrew, I hope to see you again soon. Bye for now. Cheers.